The following program is brought to you by the humble farmer bed and breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. Professor Peter and Dr. Karen told me that they're going to go to Africa. Yes, it raised the same question in my mind then as it does in your mind now. So I asked them, how do you dare to go to Africa? You know, with all the shooting and violence. And Peter said, well, we've lived in New York. Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. ah, Watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
Scott Hamilton, of course, here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. While we are on the topic, one of our bed and breakfast guests said, A woman recently came up to me on the street and said, I'm sorry that your sister died. I said, My sister is, is very much alive. She's not dead. And the woman said very defensively, well, I couldn't find her on Facebook. Baby, and my baby's crazy about me. 
to Fletcher Henderson. I'm crazy about my baby. And my baby's crazy about me, hopefully. Life is no more. Life is no more than an uninterrupted series of learning experiences. Because nobody can know everything, and because we all know different things, you don't know the same things I do. I don't know the same things you do. And because of this, there is never a paucity of fools who rush in where angels fear to tread. There are harmless in-house jokes for every occupation. Now, take, for example, the novice in the garage who sent out to find a left-handed monkey wrench. You know about that. The medical profession nailed me twice with their in-house jokes, and that is the topic of our present conversation. Years and years ago, I was to have some kind of medical procedure. I can't remember what it was. I was given some liquid and told to drink it down and, at such and such a time. I was on my way to a speaking engagement at the time. I stopped in Island Falls and, and drank this down in Island Falls. But what they don't tell you at the hospital is that this sodium phosphate does different things to your body. I said I drank this sodium phosphate 30 minutes before I was to appear on a stage in Holton, Maine. Of course, when I got back to the hospital a few days later and mentioned it to my doctor and the nurse, it was, you know, <laughs> oh, we thought you knew. And this came to mind even more recently when the fresh water that was flushed into the toilet bowl in my home was gray. I checked the other toilet bowl downstairs. That water was clear. And the water in the tank was clear. I couldn't figure out, where's this gray water coming from? Then I realized that the gray was not coming from the tank, but was washing back from the exit pipe in the toilet. So I poked it with the toilet brush, and there was indeed something gray in there. And then it came to me, finally, you know, <laughs> to investigate the possibility of patching up my stomach. On, on that Tuesday before, they gave me a barium swallow. Now, I looked up this barium swallow afterwards, and this is what Google says about the barium swallow. What are the risks of a barium swallow? Constipation or fecal impaction may occur if the barium isn't completely eliminated from the body. Well... <laughs> I guess the barium was completely eliminated from my body. And I know this. How do I know this? Because I had the impression I had left behind a piece of rough and scratchy volcanic rock about the size of a baseball. Now, these are things, I mention this because these are things your medical friends don't tell you. Hey boy, you know for the next two days you'd better use the old outside privy because there's no way you can flush those things because they'll wedge like rocks in the pipe. Ha, 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 ha. Although I have just left you with two valuable pieces of information, I truly hope, my friend, that they are things that you will never, ever need to know.
Hamilton here on the Humble Farmer. Well, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. I am the Humble Farmer at gmail.com, and I'd like to hear from you. Brendan writes this. Brendan says, So, I had the pleasure to catch your show this morning and truly enjoyed it. No doubt I will become a frequent watcher from here on. You see, he saw the television version of this program. Some people don't like it because they have to look at me. Some put a blanket on the screen so they just can listen to the music. Anyway, Brendan says, No doubt I will become a frequent watcher from here on. To get to the point, I love all of the old music you play. It is very refreshing to hear. There was a song in particular I heard this morning that was very humorous, sounded like old jazz. Every time I look at her, I... No, every time I... Let me see. Every time I her she, I could almost every time I her she. Well, that's what he wrote. Anyway, something like that. There were horns or something playing in the blank spaces. Please let me know if you recall which song I am referring to. I'd very much like to laugh with it again. Thank you very much for your time and keep up the awesome show. I love your brand of humor. I will definitely keep watching. Thank you, Brendan. And, uh, I've got to thank Brendan for writing that. The song was, of course, you've already identified it, even the way I sing it. Spike Jones playing I Dream of Brownie with the Light Blue Jeans. Because she is as sweet as licorice jelly beans. Remember that part. And if I were, had anything on the ball at all, I'd play it right now. But instead, I think I have this, this, I think I have a Romanian piano player here. What do you think of this? Thank you. 
Marion Petrescu. I think he lives in Sweden, it says. Do, 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 do. And it's time to remind you that you are listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station. Thank you for listening. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com and I would love to hear from you. It was over 50 years ago, it was over 50 years ago that I got my undergraduate degree, which entitled me to attend the Gorham State Teachers College alumni meeting. Our new president, University President Cummins, who addressed our group, told a very funny joke. I know it was very funny because it got a big laugh. It was more than that nervous laugh you get from an audience when your first comment is no more humorous than, Hi, good morning. <laughs> I did not laugh at this very funny joke. I did not laugh because he dropped the volume of his voice when he came to the last three words in the punchline, the most important words perhaps in the whole story, and I didn't hear those last very important three words. point of this is that people who are hearing impaired can often hear an entire story and miss the point because they didn't hear one word in the entire presentation or paragraph or statement. If you don't hear well, you know it happens to you often in dinner table conversations. At the end of presentations, when I'm out at some gathering, at the end of presentations, it is not unusual for me to mention to the minister or speaker or whoever it was up front, 
that they dropped their voice when they came to the punchline, and I did not hear what they said. I do this much as any professional in any profession offers advice to a friend and colleague. A bass player might suggest to the piano player that some kind of a B change before going to an E, well, it adds a bit more flavor than hitting the E twice. You know what I'm talking about here, and this is the way it should be. Does it distress me that so many people who stand before audiences on a fairly regular basis don't realize that a goodly percentage of the patient souls before them can't understand much of what they say? Hmm, not at all. Although I coach speakers whenever I can, I know that if everyone knew all of the, quote, secrets to public speaking, I wouldn't have got paid as much as I did for doing it.
Scott Hamilton, of course, here on the Humble Farmer. <laughs> Although I often admit to you that I copy things off the Internet and out of the encyclopedia and read these things to you, this next rant, this is not out of O. Henry. I want to say one more thing about squeezing more and more kids into bigger and bigger faraway schools. Some very nice people moved into our neighborhood several years ago, but they were very vocal when it came to a vote on our school. Having realized the benefits of a smaller school, I was naturally in favor of a smaller school. There were 18 kids in my high school graduating class in 1953. I am the only college graduate from that class. It wasn't a thing to do back then. My class of 18 in 1953 was the second biggest class to ever graduate from St. George High School. But our, our new neighbors were from away, and so their frame of reference was bigger must be better. They Listen to this. They were in favor of the bigger school because, as I recall, they were afraid that in a smaller school their kid would not have much of a social life. Imagine that. <laughs> Around 1760-1765, my great-great-great-grandfather, Dennis Fogarty, lived about a mile down the road, and another one of my great-great-great-grandfather, Samuel Gilchrist, lived across the road down by the water, less than a mile from here. And, and even though there were only a few cabins here at that time, they must have had something of a social life, because I'm here, ain't I? Anyway, that's the way I remember the way these people voted. They didn't think that kid would have much of a social life. Are you listening? Years later, and the last I heard, their kid did not want to go to the bigger consolidated school that their parents had voted for. And the last I heard... His mother was driving him 30 or so miles every morning to a smaller school of his choice.
original Dixieland jazz band. One year, the Exxon Mobil Corporation reported that it earned $10.4 billion in the third quarter, which was the second largest quarterly profit ever posted by a publicly traded American company. Of course, I read this somewhere. I don't know this for a fact. The largest on record, according to what I read, was also reported 10 years ago by ExxonMobil, $10.7 billion in the fourth quarter of that year. Are you surprised? Are you surprised that gas prices dropped and that the stock market went up just before that particular election that year? Would you, would you be surprised to pay $4 a gallon for gas right after an election? Here is your humble farmer question for the week. If you owned an oil company that earned you $10 billion in one quarter, how much would you be willing to pay to prevent the development of electric cars?
<laughs> going to the four chord with that last note there. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station, where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Why do you, why do you enjoy being around certain people? Think about this. Is it because you admire them and would like to be like them? Is it some gift these people have that you wish you had? Is it that you can experience experience that gift just by being associated with these people? On the other hand, why is it that you don't even like to think about some people because they well they look so dopey and they they're always doing stupid things? I guess I'll quit right there before you accuse me of talking politics. I don't believe in fretting and grieving Why mess around with strife? I never was cut out to step straight out Give me the simple life Some find it pleasant Dining on pheasant Those things roll off my knife I want tomatoes, mashed potatoes I like the simple life The cottage small is what I'm after I don't want it wide A house that rings with laughter The ones I love inside You take the high road, I'll take the low road Free from care and strife It's corny and seedy, but yes, indeed it I like the simple life I don't believe in fretting and grieving One mess around with strife Never cut out to step straight up Give me the simple life Some find it pleasant on pheasant Those things roll off my knife I want tomatoes, mashed potatoes I like the simple life A cottage small is what I'm after Not wide A house that rings with laughter The one I love inside You take the high road I will take the low road It's corny and city But yes indeed I like the simple life <laughs> Thank you.
Well, I don't believe that fretting and grieving what mess around when we strive the city and yes, indeed, I like the simple life. Small is what I'm after. I don't want it wide. A house that rings with laughter. The one I love inside. Yes. I don't believe in fretting and grieving while messing around with strife. I never was cut out to step and straight out. I like the simple life. Some find it pleasant on pheasant. Those things roll off my knife. I want tomatoes and mashed potatoes. I like the simple life. A cottage small when I'm after not one wide. A house with laughter. The one I love inside. You take the high road. I will take the low road. Corny and city, but yes, indeed, give me, give me the simple life. Carol Sloan. Do, 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 do. I guess we ain't got time for one more. But as you know, I get cut off in the middle. So I will take this opportunity to thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer right here on your favorite radio station. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. I don't call this jazz. You notice this is not jazz. I don't like to call it jazz because Ornette Coleman and John Coltrane play jazz. I do not play jazz. I play old-fashioned music. Usually it has a little bounce to it. And someone remarked a while back that our new main state prison is full. Of course, if that is true, it is to be expected Matter always expands to fill the allotted space. And the proof of this can certainly be seen piled all around your office or in your garage. My friend Davis, are you listening? My friend Davis has a solution. He suggests that instead of building you a bigger jail, you only get to spend eight hours sleeping in your cell. The other 16 hours you would be required to be somewhere somewhere else. And, of course, that way a jail could accommodate three times the number of prisoners that it does today. You sleep eight hours, you move out, somebody else sleeps eight hours. Move out, and it would rotate there. Please raise your hand if you think we should run a prison like a business.
Thank you. 